Welcome to Alive and Kick It in the 90s Football Podcast, the podcast that's more 90s than playing bamboozle on teletext. As always, I'm Ash Rose and I hope you're okay. How are you doing, everybody? Um, thank you for hitting that download button on your uh, device of choice. Um, it's it's great to have you listening to the show, your podcast of pleasure, your 90s nostalgia trip for the week. Hope you enjoyed Deadline Day as well. It was a bit of a damp squid in the end, wasn't it? Uh, tell you what, though, if you've still got that transfer itch to scratch, why not look back at our transfer pod we did earlier in the season where we look back over all the big moves of the 90s. So your Bergkamps, your Klinsmans, your Cantonars are all in there, plus a brilliant, brilliant interview with Paul Walsh, one of the best we've done actually go back on itunes and check that one out uh, along with all the other episodes as well we're now on episode 22 of alive and kicking so we've got a lot been a lot of through so it'd be great if you want to look back especially if you're a new listener have a look back at some of the old episodes where we talked many many things through the 90s and we've got a lot more a lot more to come as well so don't worry about that while you're there as well, if you're particularly generous and, and want to share the love on our 90s nostalgia trip, if you want to give us a five-star rating and even a little review, it helps us out tremendously and it helps us share so we, everyone else can and share the uh, 90s nostalgia trip with everybody else. So if you could do that, you'll be a doll. Uh, on to tonight, though, and we are talking football coverage uh, in the 90s. So, yes, I a few people on Twitter have mentioned a few things. It is strictly kind of the football that was shown. So how we watched football in the 90s. Um, I know a few on Twitter have said things like fantasy football, but we will do them later uh, in the season where we'll do a pod on that and Dream Team and My Summer with Des and everything like that. So they'll be on a separate pod. This is strictly the BBC, ITV, even Channel 5 and, of course, the rise of Sky Sports. But I couldn't do it alone. Um, so I have two guests joining me today to talk about this football coverage in the 90s. Firstly, a familiar voice to the podcast. We call him the 90s football nostalgia. Everyone else calls him that bloke who looks like James Nesbitt. Welcome back, Paddy O'Sullivan. Yeah, thank, yeah, thanks for that, Ash. Yeah, much appreciated. <laughs> how are you doing, Paddy? Yeah, good, thanks. Yourself? Very well. Uh, how, we'll, we'll go modern for a second. How was your deadline or your transfer dealings? Happy with Alexandra Pato? Uh, if you want the truth, not really. Um, <laughs> if you want the truth, yeah, I thought um, I thought we could have probably got someone a bit a bit better than that, to be honest with you. But um, I didn't realise he was only 26. He seems well, to be around for He's been around so long that I thought he actually might have played in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll have to wait for an, uh, wait for the summer to see some people yeah. there. And joining us for the first time, it's my pleasure to welcome someone who's been a big supporter of the podcast, actually, and the book. Uh, he was at our launch along with Paddy back in 2013 and has been a big fan of the show as well. So good to have him on from RDA and our first Grimsby Town fan of the season. Welcome, Paul Benson. How are you doing, Paul? Hello, Ash. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So we'll get more from Paul in a second and chat uh, about some Grimsby memories. But before we do that, let's look at some things that happened in the 90s this week. Firstly, on today, actually, if you looked on uh, Twitter today, we I put it up there earlier. Uh, this day, 2nd of February 1999, uh, Glenn Hoddle was sacked as uh, England manager after his comments to the Times regarding disabled people. Uh, on the 4th of February 1996, Mick McCarthy was appointed Ireland manager. On the 6th of February 1999, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer becomes the first Premier League sub to score four goals in one match as Man United beat Forest 8-1 at the City Ground. On the 7th of February 1996, UEFA agreed to increase the number of Champions League teams in Europe's top eight leagues to two. Of course, that went on to be more in the future. And on the 8th of February, this one's for Pad, 1998, Stephen Hughes, remember that name? There's a name from the 90, scores two goals in a 2-0 win for Arsenal over Chelsea at Highbridge. Remember that, Pad? I was I was there actually. Uh, yeah, I was. I was. There. It was Ruud Hullet's uh, last game. Oh. Stephen Hughes. Whatever happened to him? Yeah, God knows. <laughs> 
So let's hear a bit more from Paul then. Uh, we can do our 90s CV with you, sir. Um, so favourite 90s player for Grimsby. Go ahead. Well, you know what? It's, it's the golden era for me as a Grimsby Town fan, so there's plenty to choose from. Um, but I suppose you've got to go with the, the chicken chicken incident, Ivano Bonetti, really, don't you? <laughs> you know, for, for a very brief few weeks, Grimsby Town were, were in the news. He brought us uh, something like eight consecutive wins in, in, in 95, 96. And uh, never before or since have we had a club, that, a player that really sort of captured the imagination. So he's with us half a season and he's he's got to be the guy. What, for players who don't remember either Benetti, what sort of player was he? He was, uh, well, he was our Gianfranco Zola. Um, <laughs> he, he, was, he, was, he was the very poor man's Gianfranco Zola. He, was, he came to Grimsby from, I believe, Empoli. Um, and he bounced around a few mid-table Italian clubs that we'd spied on Football Italia. And um, oh, he's he, he just a breath of fresh air. He, he was the creative hub of everything we did for those six months. Um, until the manager threw a KFC at him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that still. Brian Laws, wasn't it? Yeah, that's him. Yeah. So he, uh, that was the beginning of the end, as you can imagine. And then he, he was off to Tranmere um, after that. And I don't think, you know, that was the that was the high point as, as a Grimsby Town fan. It's never quite as exciting again. No disrespect to Grimsby or Tranmere, but I, I, he didn't get the best tour of England, did he, Ivan Benetti? <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, well, he, he didn't exactly cover himself in glory or long term, but you know, it's one of those where if that incident hadn't happened, then you know, where would he have been? He was only about 26, 27 when he came to us. So if he'd have stayed, kept his nose clean, could, you know, could he have gone to play in the Premier League? I would say yes, mm-hmm. um, but real big missed opportunity. Hashtag blame the chicken. Um, so <laughs> outside of the Marinas, then, uh, your favourite player of the 90s? Um, not an original one, but Dennis Bergkamp. Okay, no, good Just, one. you know, another one that seemed like a, a player that would never, ever come to English football. And to see him doing what he did for a team that I'm not a particularly massive fan of um, was just breathtaking. You know, it's a cliche when you talk about the hat-trick against Leicester and whatnot, but I've never seen a Premier League player since do what he did. It was It was him that made me have such a crush on the Holland team in 1998 mm. for the World Cup it's just yeah he is the 90s to me yeah definitely we've we've spoke a lot about him on this podcast and you mentioned 98 and of that goal as well one of the the best goals of the decade as well yeah um Paddy obviously we've done a lot of your CVs um because you, you're a regular on the show but I did ask you a question before we went live on air um as we're talking football on TV tonight what was the uh, the first game or first sort of era of games you remember watching uh, on TV in the 90s uh, yeah, I think the first game I can sort of remember watching uh, live Ash on uh, on TV was um, was roughly around sort of nineteen ninety. I think it was a big it was a big game. It was on it was on a Sunday. It was uh, United United versus Liverpool, and uh, which is obviously a, a massive game at, at Old Trafford. Liverpool went there and won two one, and I just seem to recall John Barnes sort of dominating uh, Manchester United and um, scoring a really really good goal where he pretty much ran from the halfway line. Um, and yeah, that was that was just sort of a just sort of big game that I remember. It just sticks in the memory. Um, United had uh, some bloke in charge called Ferguson. I don't yeah, really know right, how. Yeah. yeah, I don't really know how that that turned yeah, out. Turned um, out well. But um, but um, yeah, so um, yeah, that was the first game I remember watching. Paul, what are your early memories of live games in the nineties? Well, I was eight when 1990 came around. So like most kids my age, my first taste of um, football on the telly was the World Cup. Mm. 
Um, but for some reason, you know, I was never a big football fan when I was that age. It never really stuck. But really, it was a few years after that when I started properly watching football. Didn't grab my attention wholesale. So it was randomly in, in 94, I remember sitting down with my mates and watching the Division One playoff final between uh, Leicester and Derby. That is a random one. <laughs> random as it was bank holiday Monday afternoon. We were, I remember we were sitting in my lab playing with wrestling figures, probably yes. something like that. And it just happened to be on the TV. And that was it, really. It was from then on. I never, never missed a game, I don't think, for the rest of the 90s. That is a very... I don't even remember the score. What was the score in that game? If I remember rightly, it was 2-1 to Leicester. Oh, but don't hold me to that. Yeah, that is a very random. I think, well, the game I remember, and I'm not being... Well, I am, maybe I remember it more because I'm being biased, is uh, January 92, New Year's Day. Uh, and QPR won four one at Old Trafford. And that I knew was, you were going to say that. Well, you know, I just I think knew you were going to say that. It was one that. of my big. I think that it was live on TV, which, as we'll as we'll go on to in a second, was a rarity in those days. Um, I think it was it was on a, a Saturday or a Sunday. It was on a week. I was at my nan's watching it. I wasn't more like one of those people who claims to be there when there was only kind of a thousand fans. But it's one of the, everyone says they were there. So like the, everyone the moon landing or something. But uh, no, I wasn't there. I was watching my nans, and that one always stands out to me. Uh, and it brings me on to kind of what we're going to start talking about, and that's the early nineties and the coverage, because um, that was on ITV's The Match uh, yeah. with a certain Elton Wellsby. Um, which is a name which is so 90s. I don't know what he did after the 90s. I don't even know what he did pre-90s, but he was he was the face of the match on ITV. Um, Paddy, do you remember Elton Wellsby? I do. I, yeah, I do. Ash, good old Elton. He was a, he was a kind of a, a poor man's uh, poor man's Richard Keys, I suppose, wasn't he? Um, he was a sort of a ITV's anchor for uh, for uh, TV coverage at the time. And um, but really, ITV's TV coverage really consisted of presenting saying hello showing the match and then it was adverts you know that was pretty much it and that's well, pretty much, much changed really nothing, no they've kind of improved a little bit but at the time no it wasn't um it wasn't really uh wasn't really it wasn't really that great was it but we were we were really starved of football um in the early sort of 1990s obviously because yeah. I yeah they only showed it was kind of like it wasn't every week i mean people won't believe this who are listening who are more modern supporters but there was no it wasn't live football every week you kind of had no. maybe sort of 10 games if that maybe the match showed a season on a sunday yeah it was a yeah, uh, push yeah uh, yeah um, i was right here i mean that push it was it was not um but yeah, it wasn't the um, the football that you get um, non-stop now, and in a way, there was almost something refreshing about that. But um, it, it just ITV's coverage just wasn't the great greatest. As we'll probably move on to Sky, um, Sky obviously took it to to a to a new level. Um, but um, obviously, the best thing about ITV was probably Saint and Greedy. Yeah, no, that lovely love segue because that's about what I was going to say. I mean, Saint and Greedy is another one. It's, it's quite eighties. Um, Saint Greaves, he obviously put uh, Ian St John and Jimmy Greaves as presenters, but it was still going in the early nineties. Satan Greavesy, um, and it's another one. It's a bizarre show to explain to someone who's never seen it because it was kind of a magazine show, maybe a football focus um, style magazine before lunchtime kickoffs on a Saturday, wasn't it, Paul? Uh, what do you remember about Saint and Greavesy? Um, very again, hazy memories. It was a little bit before my time. I'm really a product of the Sky Generation, but I just remember. You know, reading well, mainly Greasy from his son column on a Saturday morning. That was how I knew him. I wasn't really familiar with him as a footballer. So to see these two old codgers, which is what they um, were, yeah. not, uh, in, as I put it back then, not really taking it too seriously. Yeah. 
Um, it, it, it just seemed, you know, it seemed like they were putting it together on the cheap, didn't it, really? Yeah. It, um, which is at... quite, it's quite nice. Look, looking how polished and everything Sky is nowadays. It's quite a nice thing to see two old boys probably, you know, drink the best up to their elbows in red wine before they started <laughs> recording. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a bit of nostalgia about it, but my memories are probably as hazy as theirs are about it. It's very cuddly, wasn't it? That's what I, it, was, it was kind of like a really warming thing to watch, like these two old, like your granddads having a chat about football on, yeah. a, on a Saturday morning. And we show, and we mentioned earlier in the season when we did our Euro 92 pod, because that was the last time St. Greavesy was on our TV screens before Euro 92. And there was a, a show they did of Greavesy walking around Sweden in a Viking helmet. I mean, it was kind of something you would never imagine you could see to, in, in these days. What do you think, Pad? Yeah, it's, uh, it's it was very it's very dated now. Obviously, obviously we're talking about um, obviously sort of twenty twenty five years ago here. Probably probably a little bit more with Saint and Greavesy. But I suppose you could almost argue that Saint and Greavesy sort of paved the way for professional footballers to actually finish and then move into television. Because obviously, like Bob Wilson as well, I think was another one. But they had, you know, we look at sort of match of the day and Sky now. Is completely full of ex-pros. Yeah. Whereas years ago, obviously, you talk about you know Elton Wellsby that you mentioned earlier on. It was sort of television type presenters who knew a little bit about football. Whereas now it's completely ex-pros. And I mean, if you look at Gary Lineker, you've got someone that's a, like an ex-pro actually presenting match of the day. Yeah, not like Des. I mean, if we're talking no, people, we miss Des, don't we? Yeah, I you mean, Des Lineham. If yeah. anyone who grew up in the nineties, he was Mister Smooth, wasn't he? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Paul, Des Lynham, can't, can't get any better than Des, can we? He's the oracle, isn't he, really? <laughs> he, he, he is what we want every presenter to be now. You know, we, you know, Gary Lineker, he's great and all, but he ain't Des. Oh, he no. dreams of being Des. Yeah. He, yeah. I, Everyone he dreams of being quite Des. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking ITV because they, they had the rights at the beginning of the 90s to show the top flight games, but as we're going to talk very much in detail now, it was a new company that came in uh, very early in the 90s. Once the Premier League had taken over and split from the Football League, they looked to their own TV deal. And ITV were up to discussion. They did offer some big money to show the Premier League and some good deals. But Sky came in, this new format head by uh, Rupert Murdoch, this fledgling company called Sky. They had people like Martin Tyler already there and Richard Keyes and Andy Gray had already joined the show. Uh, and they bid an amazing, which it sounds a lot now, and I know that the TV deals have gone crazy, but they bid $304 million in 1992, yeah. which is a crazy amount of money back then to, to show the, the Premier League. And they came with the tagline, a whole new ball game, which is the title of our first episode, actually, um, of the podcast. And that brilliant advert, Alive and Kicking, which is very apt for the show tonight. Um, that advert, do you remember the advert, Paul, of the, all the guys working out in the gym? Of course, yeah, with some nice soft rock on. Yeah. Very, ni- very 90s. Just, just mon- montage and soft rock, that's all we need. Yeah, I, I always remember Paul Stewart in the advert, acting like he <laughs> uh, was like a member of the Beatles. It's like, of, of all the people, it was very random. I think it was Tottenham's, it might have been Liverpool's at that time, Paul Stewart, very random. But yeah, they were in the gym. You can see actually a picture of every player um, in that advert on our Twitter profile, AK90s. Our cover picture has been that. That's the picture from the first photo shoot uh, that Sky Sport. It's a good game, actually to try and name all of those we, we've done it a few times between me and our mates and Paddy's usually the one that gets them all aren't you Pad? Uh, sadly yeah I think that says a lot about me to be honest but even, there you go even as I mean David oh, God, the Sheffield United Col- even Culverhouse the Norwich player that's the one yeah. that kind of stumps people but yeah, yeah. Sky came in uh, and they began 16th of August 1992 with their first ever game 
which was Nottingham Forest uh, against Liverpool. Teddy Sheringham scoring the winner. And I think one of the first things that you have to mention that Sky did, and it's kind of taken for granted now, and I think anyone who, who grows up in, in this day and age won't even believe it, but they brought the top the score into the top corner. I mean, yeah, oh, that's true, yeah. We that's watched true. I never fo- thought of that. Yeah, that's we watched true. football before, waiting for the score to come up maybe every kind of five minutes or so. Yeah, I remember. I actually remember. Now you've said that, I actually remember my dad getting the right hump with Sky when we first got it. He just kept going, how do you get that bloody score? Bloody score off the top corner. He hated it because we were so used to ITV. It's a little thing, but I think of all the things Sky did, third of all, that was definitely something that was, yeah. you know, it's, it's just standard now and such it's very, very small. But they started yeah. with their four o'clock kickoffs on a Sunday, which is very new uh, to, to football. And they did it to kind of go against the religious programs, actually, that were showing on the terrestrial TV. So it was a time when they knew that people there was a gap in people's TV watching, which is why they went to, to four o'clock. Uh, do you remember the first ga- that first game, Paul, the, the Nottingham Forest-Liverpool game? Uh, I only remember, you know, from sort of the 94, 95 season onwards, really. But I, I, I read about that in Match of the Day magazine. I remember they did in something like 99 or 2000 when they were doing an article on Sky. They talked about that game and it was, the, it was Teddy Sheringham, wasn't yep. it? Yeah. That was, that was the guy they interviewed. Yeah. So that's, you know, hazy memories. Yeah, they had that lovely Shrimpton's kit with the collar, which was very nice. Classic. Uh, you, you'd kind of be forgiven, Ash, for thinking that Sky actually invented football. Because, like, you know, like there was no football before the 16th of August 1992 because they, like, as you said, like they said, take it to like a whole new ball game. They did, they did take it to like a, like a different level from where, from where it was at the time. This was something completely different I mean they had sumo wrestlers on the pitch and god knows what else didn't they yeah that's what I was just about to go on to say because not only did we have Sunday football but for the first time ever became Monday night football yeah. Uh, yeah. which was something obviously taken from America where they had the NFL and they play the game some of the games on a Monday um, this isn't coincidence this is truth the first ever Monday night football uh, was at Main Road a clash between Manchester City and Queen's Park Rangers it was a, a 1-1 draw a brilliant goal from Andy Sinton but yeah like Paddy says Paul do you remember the, the dancing cheerleaders and uh, the sumo wrestlers and the Paris yeah. jumpers. Oh, you had the works, didn't they? Dancing bears, I think, if I remember <laughs> rightly. No, the one I always remember is you remember when the teams come out. It's only a few occasions I think they did this, but when they had those little fireworks, they used yeah. to have like those little sort of poppers that used to spring fire into the air as they came out. It was just, well, it was like a different world, wasn't it? It was a completely different. Yeah, it's something that we hadn't seen before, for sure. And there's some, but we're going to just move on now to talk to our guest today, actually, who was at Sky. Uh, during the early 90s. He retired as a player in 1991 at Portsmouth, then joined Sky as a pundit and was at the very early days of a show that we'll talk about very briefly in a minute, Soccer AM. Uh, This is Gary Stevens. Uh, We spoke to him earlier today. Please apologise in advance. The sound's not great. We did speak to him over the phone and he's in Thailand at the moment. But here is some great memories from Gary Stevens. Gary Stevens, welcome to Alive and Kick In. Thank you very much. Good to be on your show. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, we want to take you back to the 90s. Before we talk uh, about your role at the beginning of Sky, let's take you back to, to where your uh, career finished. You were at Portsmouth in the early 90s. What are your memories of your final days as a footballer at Fratton Park? Well, I guess in many ways they weren't great memories because I'd left um, Spurs in the January of 1990, gone down on loan initially to Portsmouth Football Club, who were struggling in then the second division today's championship um, and it was just an initial month's loan which uh, lasted until uh, towards the end of March in 1990 when the transfer window in those days would shut um, 
and Portsmouth would keep me. Terry Venables at Tottenham didn't particularly want me any longer, and I decided to go down there. Um, I'd had lots of injury problems at Spurs, unfortunately, and um, I thought it was an opportunity to play regularly, to get my career going again. Um, and I only actually managed to play 59 times down at uh, Portsmouth Football Club, home and away, um, when I collapsed in a heap with a, another knee injury playing away at um, Plymouth. Um, and I never played again. So they, they were difficult times for me personally because um, I picked up my, uh, well, I played my last game, I'm just trying to think, in the, the March of 1991, I think it was, and I got my last packing out of football in the January of 1992. Um, so that's always a difficult time for any player who's uh, packing up through injury. Mm. At that point, for a footballer, I mean, what, what is your mind thinking about what's next? How quickly do you, do you have time to think, OK, my career looks like it's an end. What do I do next? I think the truth is, as a footballer, you never believe that your career is ever going to end. Mm. Um think you're invincible. You think you could get hit by a double-decker bus and you'd still survive. Um, <laughs> and even when I sustained that final injury, um, you know, I was expecting to see the surgeon, have a bit more surgery, um, rehabilitate myself, work with the rehab physio uh, and the coaches and get fit and, and play again. Um, and unfortunately for myself, thanks to the case with um, numerous players, over the years, and it will happen in the future as well, um, I never managed to play again. So, um, was I prepared for not playing anymore when I'm 29, nearly 30 years of age? And I'm expecting that, you know, I've got another five or six or seven years, hopefully, of playing this wonderful game and earning a living from it. And unfortunately, I can't. So, I was ill prepared, I was grossly under prepared. Um, and, of course, that puts all sorts of pressures on you as a, as a person. It puts all sorts of pressures on your family um, and life in general, to be honest with you, because it's a tough time. Mm. You had a really brief spell in management uh, at Petersfield Town, I remember. Was that something you, were, you thought you might go into more? Or, or what did you learn in that really short period? Well, at the time, I was I passed my coaching qualifications. Back in those days, you did a premium badge and then you did your full badge. So I was a full badge holder. I was keen to go into football management and coaching. I think there were some opportunities. Um, my family at the time weren't so keen because um, you know they felt that you know being a player is very privileged and you. You know, you're, you're at home a lot of the time, and obviously when you're going to coaching and management, um, you are your time is taken up a lot, lot more. Um, so I decided that I'd have a little look at the media and going to the media. Um, and if it happened, the media is a very demanding business, and I was working all sorts of hours of early mornings on TV, late evening, Capital Gold Sport in London, whatever it might be. Um, and I was out of the house an awful lot, you know, trying to make a go of a, a career alongside football, but in the media. Yeah, and let's talk about media then, because you, you were at Sky kind of in the early days, in the kind of infancy of the station. How did you get involved, and what was Sky like as a place now compared to the multi-company we see now? Well, 
you know, when I first picked up playing and I decided to have a go at the media, I was sent in my CV with an introductory letter off to all sorts of organisations and obviously Sky, which was, you know, just starting to grow a little bit then, um, was one of them. Um, and I ended up um, becoming a, a regular on a Saturday morning show, which still goes today, which was Soccer AM on a Saturday morning. Um, at the time, Russ Williams was the main presenter and uh, a girl called Jane Hoffman. Um, Helen Chamberlain took over from her and uh, Jim Lovejoy took over eventually from Russ Williams. Um, and I think the plan was they were going to use a regular footballer or ex-footballer and there was Paul Elliott was involved in the mix and Laurie Sanchez was involved in it and also myself. And Laurie Sanchez then got um, an opportunity to go and coach and manage in Sligo Rovers and so that was him off the show and then Paul Elliott had somebody else happened in so that was him off the show and it just left me so all of a sudden I was on there every single Saturday morning which was, was good for a little bit of income but you know, like everything you know you had to be in the studio at 6 o'clock in the morning because mm. we started at 7 and we ran through till 12 um, but it was great fun it really was good fun how, how different was the show for those who don't remember the early days uh, to the soccer air we see now? <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's like most things, it's evolved hugely. Um, I think probably the show was a, a bit straighter then than it is now. Um, you know, I think the, the show's become very wacky and, mm. and you know, right on the edge, whereas we were a lot more conservative and restrained in the early days. Um, although we had our moments, I can... Uh, I can remember you know, some slapstick stuff going on between us on the sofas and with different guests and what have you. Um, but it was, a, it was a, a straighter football show than it is now. But I, I have to admit, you know, I think what Sky have, have done with the show and what they've done with all their broadcasting really over the years is just got better and better and better. Yeah, 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 I agree. You were quite a regular face day after that from Sky. Did how much did you enjoy just being part of the medium? Were you one of those, if you kind of said something about a certain footballer, did anyone ever come back to you saying, you know, you can't say that about me? Did you ever have that happen to you? Um, I think when you're working in the media, you can you can very easily upset people. And again, you know, back in the early 90s, when I was um, working in the, the media, having not long retired as a player, um, you know, the, the the, the amount of media coverage was, was a lot less than it is today. Yeah. Um, and I think people were a lot more sensitive, a lot more sensitive. Um, so, you know, I can remember passing comments about different people or different clubs. Um, some of them former teammates of mine who'd gone on into coaching and management. And I upset a few of them on a few occasions. Uh, you know... <laughs> I had a couple of hinky conversations as well, you know, when I bumped into certain people at certain times. Um, but I think people look at the media now and there's no such thing as bad exposure. Yeah, you know, no, that... If people aren't talking about you, if people aren't talking about you, it's bad. So as long as they're talking about you, be that good or bad, you know, people like it because it's about profile. Mm, no, it's a great point. Would you, a footballer that's retiring now, would you advise them to do media? Is it something you think it's a it's a good path for for pros coming towards the end of their career to do? 
Um, I, I think that, um, you know, in this day and age, where, where the top players are coming to the end of their career when they should be extremely wealthy with the money that they've earned, they can certainly pick and choose. I think working in the media is a, is a great opportunity and it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun business to keep yourself involved in. Um, what I found was um, having retired from the game, you know, I've never had a bad game since I retired because it's so easy from the TV studio or the radio box. Um, and, you know, we can all pick the best team that's going to win the cup or going to win the league or, you know, going to see England pick up a, their first trophy since 1966 because our thoughts and our beliefs are, are never tested. So I really think for ex-players, unless you've actually gone into coaching and management somewhere, then you're not truly qualified to, to pass too much comment on themes, formations, etc., etc., because um, it's not until you've been in there that you really know how difficult it is. Let's, let's have a look at you know, Gary Neville, for example. Mm. What a fantastic pundit, great insight, great knowledge, and he's gone to a decent club in Spain, by the way. Yeah. The team's struggling a little bit when he's gone in there. But he's hardly, he's hardly turned it round overnight. You know, he's, he's finding out actually how and difficult the business is when it's your decisions and your selections that see you succeed or fail. Mm. No, it's a, it's a great job, Gary. Just going back to you and the 90s and, and being a pundit, what players... I know there's a, there's a plethora of players you could choose from, but there isn't any couple in particular you used to enjoy watching as a pundit. Wow, what players? Um, you know, I think there were some, some great characters around then, um, and maybe there aren't quite too many characters these days. Um, but, uh, you know, I think seeing that Manchester United young group of mm. players, um, you know, Beckham and Scholes and Buck and Neville and, and all of them, come through and develop the way they did and and become the the mainstay of a, a Manchester United side that's stood the test of time. Um, you know, look, I, I would have to mention somebody like Teddy Sheringham, who, you know, was a class act wherever he played and obviously he was outstanding when he was at uh, Spurs and and again, you know, Spurs, I suppose all those years ago, 78, when they signed those two Argentinians, yeah. Ozzy Ardiles and Ricky Villa, you know, they brought in another world-class foreigner in Jurgen Klinsmann, who was a character. You know, he's only got to look at the way he almost mocked himself with, with the dive. Yeah. He was, uh, you know, so uh, famous for. Yeah. Um, no, I think in many ways, the, the 90s was a fantastic period in football. Um as much as anything, because of the, the growing amount of games that you could see on the TV via Sky Sports. Mm, no, that's a great point. And lastly, I mean, you were at the Tottenham as well uh, in the days of Paul Gascoigne. We always like to ask people who've played with Gaza, do they have a Gaza story? Do you have one you could tell us? <laughs> I've probably got about 10,000 stories <laughs> about Gaza. Um, you know, and it, uh, an amazingly talented player. Um, and of course, we all know that you know he, he had an awful lot of problems off the field. He did as a player, and he and he continues to do now. He's no longer playing. Um, but uh, yes, it was 
damages couldn't sit still. You know, he had to, he had to be doing something all the time. And uh, most of the most of the stories I'd like to tell, I probably can't tell. <laughs> um, but an example would be, you know, Friday night we're we're away with the team, sat at the the meal table in the restaurant of a hotel. You know, we did tend to not have a private room. We were just in the general hotel. And, you know, if a, if a guest wandered through, you could almost bet your bottom dollar that Gavin would pick up a, a small brown roll and bounce it off the back of somebody's head by a guest <laughs> of the hotel. And then, you know, we, we all start laughing. And, of course, the only one who's not laughing and then behaving himself immaculately is Gavin. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he was just a, a, a kind. You know, he was he was good fun, but I have to say, kind of did wear you out a little bit as mm-hmm. well. You know, you were trying to think, well, I did anyway. Yeah, so just give it a break for a while. But uh, no, I I, uh, I love the fella. Um, I was honoured to have played alongside him at Stern, and you know, I've loved watching him play, and I've enjoyed most of his antics off the field, with the exception of the odd one here and there. And finally, um, Gary, what are you up to now then? I know you're in Thailand. What what do you do these days? Um, well, I've been, most recently, I've been head coach of a, a couple of clubs out here in the Thai Premier League. Um, Army United was one of them, and then Port FC was the other one. At the moment, I'm in between jobs. Um, I'm hoping to secure myself another coaching position out here. I actually had a, a hip operation about 11 weeks ago back in England. Um, and being back here in Thailand um, for the last five, six weeks as I have, um, it's helped my rehab because obviously the climate's a lot warmer. Mm. I've got good access to a swimming pool. Um, so that's been ideal for me. Brilliant. Well, thank you for talking to us. Hope the heck heals well soon. And uh, thank you again. All the Brilliant. Best. Thank you a lot. Cheers, Gary. Bye-bye. Well, great memories there from Gary Stevens and Soccer AM. Who, you know, we, we remember it as the, as the show now and, and in the 90s with Tim Lovejoy and, and Helen Chamberlain. But, Paddy, do you remember when Gary Stevens was on it? Uh, yeah, I've got a vague, a vague recollection of Gary Stevens being on it. Um, was he on it with the guy from um, Absolute Radio? Yeah, uh, Russ, as he said, Russ Williams, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, th- I thought that's what, yeah, so... Um, yeah, so yeah, I've got a vague sort of recollection of it, but yeah, you're right. It kind of Soccer AM as a show, I think, kind of took off when Lovejoy um, kind of came on, came on to it. And I seem to, I think, one of my favourite guests they had in the '90s, I think they had Noel Gallagher on it. They did, they, yeah. Big Oasis fan, so it was good to, it was good to see Noel Gallagher on that. So yeah, that's yeah, it was, yeah, it's, it's a good show, and yeah, it's, it, I suppose it's still going today, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Paul, your memories, Soccer AM, there must have been one of your shows in the '90s. Oh, absolutely. Well, I remember the first time I found Soccer AM was through um, Helen Chamberlain. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, wow, it's the girl from Nickelodeon. Yes. <laughs> Which was my sort of staple of after school and school holidays. So the fact that she was now presenting a show on football and she was a lower league fan as well, just, oh, I think I was in love. <laughs> as, I, as, really as, I, I was not the only one. Yeah, can't really believe she's still going, though. Bless her, poor Helen Chamberlain on that show. But... changed a bit. <laughs> well, we'll go <laughs> Oh, very harsh. That's very harsh. We love Helen Chamberlain, of course. But, yeah, Soccer AM was something that... It was, Sky began to build, didn't they, at that point? So you had this, the coverage that we spoke about. Richard Keyes had come in with his brightly coloured jackets as well, those ridiculous yellow and bright red jackets he used to wear for yeah. the live coverage. Andy Gray 
established himself as this new tactics king. And we saw things like on the Monday Night Football with his tactics table, which actually started, uh, if you believe the, uh, the the stories of him in a pub with beer bottles, which is no surprise given some of their reputation in the past. Yeah. Um, and then he had the you know, Andy Gray's boot room. I don't know if you remember that show uh, that they showed on Sky Sports and Sky Soccer Weekend, which is, if you imagine sort of Sky Sports news condensed into an hour on a Friday. That's what it was, wasn't it? Sky yeah. Soccer Weekend with Matt Lorenzo um, presenting it. Matt Lorenzo. Matt Lorenzo. I, seem to, I seem to recall, Ash, that the boot room was, was a show that Andy Gray seemed to do from a cupboard and it yeah. seemed to, it sort of set, had a Sabutio table. Yeah. He sort yeah. of moved players around. And yeah. You, you compare that to, you obviously compare that to what they do now with the with the technology they do. Yeah. That's pretty incredible, but you know, and, and it was a decent show to be fair. But that's that sort of that's where the sort of Monday night football sort of generated from, really. Yeah, it does. It's a boot, yeah. And then you think Andy Gray's, uh, no, Andy Townsend's tactic trucks in the early noughties was was a kind of next on from that, and that was a abysmal bit of TV, wasn't it? On, on... Yeah, well, we're back to ITV again, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. That's the problem. But possibly the the most significant change, as well as the live football Sky Sports did, um, was take Soccer Saturday and began that, which started off as Sports Saturday um, in the uh, in sort of the mid nineties, then sort of moderated into Sports Saturday, where they would just, I mean the 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 actual concept of it, of footballers watching football, so that probably at the time sounded quite ludicrous, but it became such a watchable show, didn't it, Paul? And it's, it's such a stable hole we hold, but it was so different in the 90s, wasn't it? Oh, it's incredible, you know. Can you imagine the pitch meeting where, where they put that forward? We're going to have a bunch of football being shown that we can't actually see, but a bunch of, you know, non-broadcasting ex-pros are telling us what happened on the screen. It sounds ludicrous. But it worked. It worked from day one. But I suppose you know the fact that all we had on a Saturday afternoon was you know the radio or teletext. 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 Who who doesn't miss that? <laughs> Men that it, it was a step up, and you know we're still watching it now. Twenty what twenty odd years later. Yeah, I mean Jeff Stelling was there from the beginning as well. Who someone who's just you know randomly come up from Sky and he was just on the back burner. He was actually not meant to present that show, but just worked because he's charm and. And the things like Kevin Webster and, and, and the jokes and Total Network Solutions that he used to do. And your guys at the beginning, like George Best and Rodney Marsh, who were at the beginning of Soccer Saturday. It became compulsive viewing, didn't it, Paddy? Oh, absolutely. And, and still is today. I, I, I do have... Uh, I, my wife doesn't quite understand the concept of uh, Soccer Saturday, to be honest. It's just, just exactly <laughs> as Paul was saying there. It's just, you just sit around, you watch a load of blokes shout and make noise. And, and, and you, you know, that's fun. Well, yeah, it is. It's brilliant. Yeah, as, as my father-in-law called, I'm going to put Jeff on. I'm just going to put yeah, Jeff. It's yeah, like he's exactly. in the living room. It's not like I'm going to put. It's always oh yeah, Jeff's going to come on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sky. Yeah. I mean, we could go. We could do a whole podcast on Sky, and we'll talk more of them in detail on another show. Um, but we just we, we'll mention a couple more things as well uh, of football in the nineties because we can't talk live coverage and coverage in the nineties without going to Channel Four and Golazzo and the football Italia. James Richardson outside of Italian calf. I mean, it doesn't get better than that, does it, Paul? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, you know, it's hard to think now where you know, we can look up at the, we can look for what the results were or what the results are going on in the Slovakian Premier League <laughs> at the touch of a button. But back then, that was pretty much you know our only look into football outside of England, and and it, just, it was just a different planet. You got Milan, Juventus, Fiorentina, Parma, all these all these teams that we'd heard of probably through football manager, championship manager too. And now James Richardson sitting there sunning himself, bringing them all to life with these superstars. It was 
mind-blowing. I feel like we should be. Um, I feel like we should be sitting here, sort of drinking a cappuccino, sort of holding <laughs> a newspaper, sort of having this conversation because that's what you used to do, and yeah. that's the bit you. I think that was a bit people used to enjoy the most, really, wasn't it? He could have. He could have made a lot of that up, to be fair. And, yeah. uh, I was relieved. Of- it was such a window into a country that and, and a football that we we couldn't see. And the, yeah. the fable goes with uh, James Richardson. He wasn't actually meant to pre- uh, to present that show. He just happened to be the only one in the production staff that could speak Italian and knew much about Italian football. So they kind of just shoved him in front of a camera. But he became such an icon of that show. He was actually meant to co-present it with Paul Gascoigne. Can you imagine how that would have gone? Oh um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I mean, that, I mean that was like that was like football from another planet as well. Very yeah. much what we were saying with Sky earlier on. We were watching players, you know, we, we got to see Hullet, Van Basten, Rijkaard. You know, it was slightly different to the sort of players you saw in the Premier League in the early in the early nineties. So, and and we saw some decent. I seem to recall Lazio and AC Milan had like a good. I think it was like five three or something like that. So there were some decent games um, on Channel Four at the time, which was. Uh, which was which was good. I think it came about because of Paul Gascoigne's uh, move to um, Lazio, and it was actually his idea to show more games. So, yeah. which is you know a brilliant thing to do, and it's, it probably paved the way for for watching football from from different leagues um, as we do now. We can't obviously not talk about match of the day as well, Paul. I mean, it's something that we take for granted uh, in this day and age because it was always it's always there. But at the beginning of the decade, it wasn't on TV. Uh, it came back in 1992 along with the Premier League. Um, you know, Alan Hansen's famous quip about the Man United team, voices like Barry Davis and Tony Gubbo for me, just, just don't... Today's commentators just don't have it on those guys. How about you? Well, you know, the greatest compliment I can give to Match of the Day is that it hasn't really... The format hasn't changed no. at all since, you know, since time immoral. It's like, you know, a few presenters, be it Hanson or Shearer or whoever it might be from whatever from whatever era, passing very sort of loose comment on the games of the day. Um, and, even, you know, even now, again, when we can check the results on our phone, we still tune in to match the day because yeah. we get that buzz from seeing those goals that you can only see at 25 past 10 on a Saturday evening. And, I just, you know, will we ever see football again without match of the day? I really hope not because I think it's one that's, like you say, it's just the test of time, hasn't it? And although, you know, they do that 50th celebration uh, over the last season to, and you see the 90s, it hasn't a lot of change. It's for, it, people sitting in the studio showing the football and I think that's all you need, doesn't it? For all the balls and whistles Sky have bought, I mean, match of the day, Paddy, still has it nailed on, doesn't it? Oh, it's an, it's an absolute institution. Obviously, it, obviously, it's sort of grown with the times. It does have sort of circles and funny lines that they can draw over the screen yeah Yeah, twitter mentions all that kind of stuff but as you're saying fundamentally it is it is still exactly the same show that it that it was 50 50 years ago um and and you're right um we sit around sort of all all day saturday we could we could quite easily watch it on other channels but you, you you sit there and you wait for wait for this on BBC One. Yeah, and it's a testament. It's always been a half ten. I mean, every channel tried to do it at a different time. You know, when ITV had it later in the noughties, uh, kind of nine o'clock night, but it's never worked, has it? It's a staple hold to be at half ten around yeah. that time on a Saturday night. Yeah. Um, a few things we should mention uh, just before we go. Um, also, that were coverage in the nineties. ITV, of course, as, as we've mentioned, had the the Premier League, uh, sorry, the First Division in the early nineties. But they also had the Champions League again with Matt Lorenzo um, in the early. So they took on that. Channel Five later in the decade, of course, came in and the, the famous quick about them having the UEFA Cup and the Cup Winners Cup. That started at the end of the nineties. So that's a, an, another thing we used to watch. And, and of course, we got we got end on you know Sky just evolved, didn't they? I mean, by the end of the nineties, they had Sky Sports Two and Sky Sports Three. Um, 
it be you know that was really as we say changed football i think sky had kind of the biggest part in it what do you reckon guys oh absolutely i mean for, you know there's an argument for and against whether sky has, has helped uh, football um but they they did like as i said earlier on they took it took it to a whole new level things we'd never things we'd never ever seen ever seen before um pumped a lot of money into the game and and you can argue that a lot of the foreign imports that we've had, you know, your Zolas, your Bergkamps, Cantonars, all that, all them sort of players, are as a result of the money that Sky, Sky brought to the table. Yeah. And Paul, last word to you. I think, I mean, one of the most memorable moments watching football, especially on Sky Sports, was Kevin Keegan's famous rant and then in the title charge. I mean, they're, they're what, whatever decade you are, they're what moments you watch football for, isn't it? Well, yeah, absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head there. And the difference between the coverage we got pre-Sky and after Sky, that, to me, was the big turning point because that turned football from a sport into a soap opera, that moment. Um, and Sky really traded off that ever since. And yeah. you know, all the sports following suit, it's almost like the drama on the pitch isn't quite enough. So they need to turn the camera on the sidelines. Um, yeah. And that... That was to to me. If if you if you pick one moment of sports coverage in the 1990s in the UK that changes everything, it is that Kevin Keegan. I was going to say promo. <laughs> <laughs> it it kind of was Keegan meltdown. It wasn't yeah. far off. Yeah, I think um, just uh, yeah, I think just one last thing on Sky Ash was that basically I think they 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 saw that during the sort of 70s and 80s that the FA Cup final was the biggest biggest day the biggest yeah. game of the football calendar and i think they took that and basically brought it to us every sunday yeah and i think that's yeah. i think that's the difference between then and now yeah because their coverage used to start a ridiculous time I mean, it's not so late uh, early anymore but i think in the early days it used to start so early and they do oh. the, the kind of cut final-esque rundown of all the teams yeah. and things like that i think you're right there um but thank you guys for that little trip to, to tv coverage one thing i just quickly want to mention I didn't say earlier was grandstand as well was something um, we used to watch on a, on a Saturday morning. All that was other sports. It, of course, included football. I remember Gordon Strachan being in the intro and his shot hitting the the stanchion uh, on the on the note of uh, one of the, uh, the the theme tunes on that. I remember. But thank you guys. Thank you, Paddy, for, as always. Thank you, Ash. And Paul, first time. Thank you for coming on. We'll definitely have you on again. Thanks, Ash. Appreciate that. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I've been Ash Rose, and hashtag Keep It Nineties. This podcast is a West Twelve Media and Burble Media production.